Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. That is Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we will spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, recreation, fitness. Are we doing recreation and fitness? We do recreation and fitness every day because I always talk about recreation and fitness at some point, right? Well, yeah, you're you're a biker man. Yeah. You've done some running and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I actually have run three days in a row, not counting today, last three days. If that's, I've been off the game for a little bit, so I'm pretty proud of myself. Forrest Gump, you are not. Not yet. Not yet, baby. Uh, that is the voice of Uber producer Dan Peters, and he's in studio with us today, as always. Thanks for spending some time with us today. On your radio, cruising around town at Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe you're somewhere out in the great white-collar world listening, streaming live at KSO.com across the country and around the world, or using the KSOO mobile app with that fancy one-touch live streaming that is all the rage amongst the kids. Remember, uh, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, for a while at least. Sometimes I cut the Facebook Live off because, well... I just get tired of being, you know, under under the microscope. You know what I'm saying? Too much information for your fans? Too much pressure for me. Okay. Because, you know, you can't, you know, you, you got to be very careful. They're watching your every move out there. That's the weirdness of Facebook Live. Oh, it's out there. Yeah. I, I'm i going to get to this in a minute, but we were uh, using Facebook Live a lot last night on the KSFY set for the election coverage, which was fun. Uh, but you can get there. I, I got it up just a little. We were having some connectivity problems, the old internet. But it's it's live and running now on Facebook Live if you want to give us a chat. Uh, but you're listening already, so what do you need that for? Your Twitter account, at P. Lally Show, you can follow along live. Uh, as I mentioned, last night I had talked about this, previewed this for you good people. I was the, uh, I was the political analyst on KSFY's bumper-to-bumper coverage of last night's election results. And uh, I had a great time. It was, uh, you know, TV is a different cat, if you know what I'm saying. I always, oh, Yeah, by all means. I always get a lot of, uh, 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 let's call it advice, when I'm going to be on TV or I'm on TV, you know, because I got the big bald head, right? And so there's a lot of discussion uh, on Facebook and other places about powder. And how much foundation should be used, eh? Yeah, and I, I still, I just went clean. I, 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 you know, I have not yet been able to see how it looked, but I, I think I was fine. They got some fancy lighting down there at KSFY in them new studios, and uh, they can they can cut that glare. I get more glare in here. <laughs> well, and and in a sense, basically, no, no. Uh, no cosmetic salesman's going to earn no pink Cadillac off of you then, I guess. No, no. And, you know, my friends in the broadcast arts, uh, the visual broadcast arts, they, they know all the ins and outs of the makeup and such. But so far, they haven't offered me any uh, uh, product, as we like to say. So that's either good and that I'm fine and my skin tones absorb light or they just want me to look bad, which it could be either one of those. I don't know. If you, you could probably flip a coin and probably make the determination yeah. on who does and who doesn't. 
Yeah, we had a good time. We went late into the evening because the results didn't come until 9.45, right? That's when they started coming in. Got a big dump right there at 9.45 and then sit and wait, sit and wait, sit and wait. But nothing changed. It was it was kind of wild with the with the governor's race. It that first drop came and it was fifty eight forty two, and I think it ended up fifty seven forty three. It just didn't move, and uh, so I thought it would move. I thought it would get closer. I like many was surprised at the margin between Marty and Christie. What did you think, Dan? I was kind of a lot. I I would have to agree. I thought it was going to be maybe maybe ten points or less. Yeah. But but having having it be fifty seven forty three that's a that's a pretty big swing and and I think a lot of the a lot of the advertisement in the last couple of weeks really swung it that way. I think so too. Um, Christie is an aggressive campaigner. You knew they were not going to you know play nicey nice, and it was just a matter of when. And it waited. It, it got pretty deep into the campaign before it got uh, pointed, as we like to say. And a lot of discussion about negative advertising. But when your negative advertising is backed up by uh, substance and maybe some legitimate allegation, then... And very timely allegations. Yes. They were very timely. The whole case up in Aberdeen involving uh, sexual harassment of that uh, DCI agent, Kaiser, uh, that was very effective ads. And then they had uh, uh, the woman, Kaiser, who was the subject of that uh, case, Speaking for Christy Noem, I mean, those were powerful ads, and I think that they really cut into Marty's reputation and uh, lost him some votes at the end. But I think she was probably, the in totality, with the campaign they ran, ran probably going to win anyway without that issue. But uh, they have a very good organization, and that makes a big difference. So Christy Noem won the governor's nomination from the Republican Party. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that later. And then uh, Dusty Johnson, no surprise there. Really, uh, it was a Chris, uh, uh, Chantel lost a lot of votes to Neil Tapio. He did very well. He did better than I w- thought he was going to do. Probably a little bit better than you wanted him to do, considering better, his yes. views and, and your opposition to those views. Right. His his belief that Sharia law is a threat to our country and sweeping the nation isn't something that I think is very constructive. Um, and it found seed in many places. Now, he's got other issues. Uh, particularly he was involved in, uh, you know, the examination of EB-5 or uh, gear up uh, and calling for, you know, some subpoena power for that committee, the GOAC committee. So that won him some votes too, but he carried uh, at least one county and he beat Chantel in several. So that was telling and uh, interesting as we go forward in our politics. But so Dusty will face Tim Bjorkman and uh, Tim Bjorkman and, uh, Billy Sutton, the Democrats on the tickets for House and Governor. They were in studio last night, so I was chatting with both of them. Nice people. Got to meet, uh, I think, pretty much all of Tim Bjorkman's extended family. They were traveling as a pack, which was a little weird. But they're good people. We had a nice conversation. It was fun. Yeah, but I because I have met Billy Sutton's mom, Renee Sutton. Yeah. She and I go back to the Burke Stampede Rodeo days. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So she well, she may not remember me, but but yeah, I but I've I've met her before. Very very engaging lady. Yeah. And and definitely has passed on some of those assets to to her son Billy. Yeah. So we which was nice. I was able to just kind of sit around with those guys and chat a little bit and watch the results come in. Uh and you know, it's 
we'll, we'll talk about it as we go forward. We're going to have Pat Powers on a little later, and uh, clearly he has some insight on the Republican side of things. Uh, but Democrats, as I said last night, they got a big, big mountain to climb if they expect to be competitive in either one of those races. The registration numbers are not favorable. The money is not as bad as it has been for Billy Sutton. He's raised some good cash so far, but there's going to be a lot more. And, you know, their their big problem, I think, is is message. And they've got to figure that out. So, But that's on them. And we'll have all the peoples in on the show as the campaigns roll forward to November. But thanks to KSFY, my friends down there, Brian Allen and uh, and Courtney Collins for having me on. We had a we had a great time, and we'll continue to chat with them. I got to get them both. I got to get Courtney on the show. She hasn't been on the show yet. We got to line that up. Is she willing to do so? Yes. All right then. There you go. You know they're in the TV news broadcasting business. Sometimes their schedules are a little, you know, not. G- Brian Allen he'll sit here for three hours in the Main Street Cafe show co-hosting, but I can't get twenty minutes at you know four o'clock so it's tough but we'll get him in it'll be fun we have a great show for you today jake anderson is from the he is the owner and a ceo of millennium recycling we're going to talk about the state of the industry and find out what the future holds from the city's primary recycler scott hudson is our weird friend of the day blogger pat powers at Dakota war college as i mentioned will be here to recap the results from the primary and i'll have a PL statement just after the break today's topic the big sue the Big Sue. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, we're going to get a little closer to free on the PL statement today. We hope. So I'm looking through the news, you know, and uh, I've had this I've had this uh, press release in my uh, bin for a while, and we actually are going to uh, be talking more about this issue on Friday with uh, Dana Lasecki from the Friends of the Big Sioux River. It involves the Big Sioux River, and it involves cheese. So the. My first uh, uh, interest in this came from the Friends of the Big Sioux River uh, newsletter that I get each month because I am a friend of the Big Sioux River, and they are a fine organization, and I've had Dana on the show before. And uh, so they are responding to um, a application by a big cheese factory, dairy operation, up there in uh, Lake Norton, that is uh, Agro, what is it? It's called AgroPure, Agro, AgroPure. And um, they, you know, we've got this growing uh, dairy and cheese operation industry going up in the northeast part of the state, and it's good. It's good. But then uh, Joe Sneavy of Argus Leader Media wrote a story, I believe it was Joe, and I saw this, and his his lead, a Hamlin County cheese manufacturer expanding its operations, needs a permit from the South Dakota Environmental Office to dump millions of gallons of wastewater per day into the Big Sioux River. But environmental buffs, buffs, 
And officials with several water systems in the region say the move could put drinking water supplies at risk. So here's what they want to do, this agro-pure. They're Wisconsin-based, you know, because that's where all cheese comes from. So they want to expand their facility up there by Lake Norden. And what they need to do to make, uh, they're going to process milk by 6 million pounds per day. Increase it. That's a lot. So they need a wastewater uh, permit, and they have a facility up there, and they want to discharge uh, 2 million gallons of wastewater a day into the Big Sioux watershed. So the folks who are concerned about this are not just crazy environmentalists, but uh, rural water systems, um, because what the way it works here is that uh, it's not, as Joe says, it's not the amount of wastewater the company is seeking to uh, seeking approval to discharge into the Big Sioux that's at issue for these groups, though. Rather, it's the nitrate levels that will go with the wastewater when it's put back into the river, which state law doesn't provide a maximum standard for. And so these folks who are uh, like Jay Gilbertson, who's been on the program before, East Dakota Water Development District, they're concerned because they're going to have to treat that water. And Gilbertson called the practice short-sighted and said it does, doesn't do anything to mitigate the impact nitrate-filled wastewater has on downstream communities that rely on the Big Sioux River watershed for their drinking water. Um, so it's, uh, it's an issue for water systems. And for me, it's an issue just for clean water, right? Because we know that nitrates are a huge issue in terms of our water quality, and we've got a problem. So the Friends of the Big Sioux River, their issue is, uh, in their uh, newsletter, they say this type of discharge would make a significant negative impact on the water quality of the Big Sioux River. These high concentrations of nitrates do not diminish downstream quickly. Uh, they say the externalizing of pollution costs, Sioux Falls, our largest city in South Dakota has invested millions of dollars along with funding from the state and federal governments to try and reduce the pollution in the Big Sioux. Issuing this permit with no nitrate limits enables AgriPure to externalize its pollution costs onto taxpayers and waste dollars already invested to restore water quality. This can be prevented by more stringent guidelines for nitrates by the DENR, that's the Department of Environment and Natural Resources. They say... The Big Sioux River is impaired due to non-point source pollution, which is, you don't know where it comes from, which is not regulated. This lack of regulations has resulted in a river that exceeds E. coli safety levels and has rising nitrates from fertilizer runoff. The conditions of the Big Sioux is evidence that the watershed does not have an unlimited capacity to absorb more degradation. I have deep concerns about this um, because I want to see us improve our water quality particularly around Sioux Falls, but that means all the way up the river and all the way down the river. I got nothing against cheese. I got nothing against milk. Uh, as I said, the industry has been good for South Dakota, but we can't mortgage the future of our river for the benefit of one industry just to let them off the hook. In fact, all of agriculture and state of South Dakota has start to, has to start taking this issue seriously. Uh, Governor Dugard's administration uh, put in a, uh, initiated a voluntary buffer strip program to help offset the cost for farmers. We know this works, but it's not being widely used. Which means we are making ourselves feel a little better because we can say we tried when we didn't really try because we don't like regulations, right? That's just it. Really doing something means more restrictions on what you can allow to flow into the river. 
we have to minimize the amount of nitrates, which is uh, fertilizer and cow dew. Cow doo doo. Okay, period. I realize the whole concept of regulation is an anthema to some folks in this state, but it shouldn't be in this case. Being conservative means to conserve resources, not wasting them. It's being prudent, not blind and bullheaded. We need to look at this permit very carefully. I, do, I think that there is a way to treat the water, reduce the nitrates, so that we don't have to do it downstream. We shouldn't be paying for Agupur to dump all that water. They have to clean it, not us. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can send me an email at Patrick at KSOO or through Twitter at P. Lally Show. Always like to hear from you. Up next on Weird Friends, Scott Hudson. We're going to talk music. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Girls in magazines, those lipstick bathing beauty queens. Uh-huh. But you don't see them, do you, dear? And there's a waitress with a sweet tattoo. She's gorgeous and in love with you. Uh-huh. 3.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're listening to a little Rihanna Del Cid because I like to torture my next guest, the weird friends, Mr. Scott Hudson. Scott, uh, I've been trying to get you on the Rihanna Del Cid train for a while, and it's just not happening, is it? Yeah, it's it's a little too Canton folk festivalish for me. <laughs> no, they call her folk rock, but that's not that's not. Yeah, there's not a, there's too much emphasis on the folk. I mean, she's she's very talented. She's a great songwriter. All that. It's just not my thing. Yeah, and I understand. I understand why anyone would love her, and I hope people go see her tonight. She's playing at Icon. Uh, doors open at seven. Uh, there's an opener. Can't remember who it is, but uh, Rihanna Del Cid. I think she's originally from North Dakota. Lives in Minneapolis. Getting a lot of getting a lot of pub in the folky, rocky world that I sort of live in. And uh, <laughs> we'll 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 be playing some Rihanna Del Cid for folks later in the show. But if you're interested at all and you like her music, look it up and uh, show up tonight at Icon seven o'clock. Um, but that's only one show. There, we're getting a pretty good run of. Uh, Live concerts, are we not, Mr. Hudson? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is a good time to be around. I mean, I, obviously, I'm not going to talk about the, the the big arena shows because I don't care about them. No, and I don't. <laughs> I don't even know what's coming. I know that uh, the Journey and Def Leppard, right? I'm not... uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I had to print some tickets for my mom the other day for some country show. Yeah, I don't care. No, it doesn't matter to me. Not going. <laughs> um, there's a couple of sort of big shows coming up that, that I don't think I need to really talk about too much because most people know what the Flaming Lips sound like. Yeah. They they are they're playing at the District on June 26th. Same with Cracker. Uh, they've been in town a few times over the years. And that Cracker right, I, show is an icon, right? Yes, June 19th. Yeah, and that's I'll go to that. Yeah, I had fun when they played that acoustic show mm-hmm. a few years ago. Uh, but there's some other shows I do want to talk about uh, quickly. Saturday at Icon, there's a benefit show for Danny Yost, one of the 12,000 Yost brothers. <laughs> yeah. uh, he recently suffered a stroke. There's a janitor Bob uh, reunion at this. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, next Friday at Icon, it's Violet, and I think it's the expanded band version of Violet with horns and everything. Yep, I believe that's true. 
Um, but here are the shows I really want to talk about. Uh, June 16th, Michael Ralt is at Total Drag. Uh, his last album, Living Daylight, was on my 2015 Best Album list. Uh, he just released a new one called It's a New Day Tonight. It's just as good. Uh, and he could he could appeal to a wide variety of people, not just indie rock or garage rockers, because there is a the, he's got a really clean guitar tone that I like a lot. It reminds me of like some early seventies, you know, rock like Badfinger, mm-hmm. Big Star, things like that. Um, yeah, very very good. That's June sixteenth, and the big one for me though, July sixth, Total Drag. The Return of Reckless Eric. So this Reckless, I, I hear so much about this Reckless Eric character, all right? So he's been Total Drag, which is the record store on 12th Street right next to the post office down there downtown. Small venue, but he has played here before, right? And you love him. Yes, yes. He When he played here a couple years ago, it was not only my favorite show of the year, it's probably in my top five favorite shows of all time. Get out! Yeah. What? I how have how have I not I gotta get top on board. five super, let me let me top five Sioux Falls shows of all time. Okay, well there, well that's that's fair. That's still, but that's still big. It's still a lot of shows. <laughs> and and let me explain why. Because okay, he's best known for the song Whole Wide World. Sure. I go good to song. the whole wide world. Yep. Little, you remember that? Yep. Um but he's put out a number of great albums over the years and uh He's married to Amy Rigby and produces her albums. Mm. She's put out some great, and they've made a couple a couple records together. And they're all really, really good. Um, I went into that show, and the same with you know some people that we know that were there, like Phil Bjornberg mm. and you know others like that. We thought it would be a typical solo show by an old guy that we like. He would bring an acoustic guitar. He'd play a bunch of songs and end with Whole Wide World. We mm-hmm. go home with smiles on our face. Mm-hmm. That's not what it was at all. He did play Whole Wide World, but he had he turned this into a in kind of an art performance. He had a bunch of uh, 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 gear, you know. He had a bunch of pedals and stuff, and he was creating this kind of wall of sound as he was going in and out of various songs that focused mainly on his on his latest record at that time. And I was mesmerized. I was in same with anybody. I mean, there's probably 50 people there Mm -hmm. and all 50 people. Well, not all. I haven't talked to all 50, but (laughs) those that I know that were there have told me, have agreed with me that this was an amazing show. Um, You know, the Nissans who own total drag, Mm -hmm. who their tastes are more, you know, noisy garage rock because they're younger than us. Mm -hmm. Dan, is the same thing it's one of his favorite shows ever that's why they're coming why he's coming back that's great so this is what when's the date on that one july 6th okay well that's a good week to be out and about too because it's just fun uh and it's at total drag now i remember now when we talked about we talked about this when he was here the last time we were not on air but you were telling me about this because now i recall and it sounds fantastic and i i gotta get down there yeah you'll love it you'll love it Here's what's really cool for me, and this is not why I'm praising it, because I've been praising it since I saw it. Mm-hmm. I did not know about this till last week, because I wrote, I wrote something on my site about it, mm-hmm. probably for, for, my, for my podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, front page of RecklessEric.com has my description of that show. Oh, my God. Yes. That's pretty good. This is as exciting for me as when uh, 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 Graham Parker did that. Remember that? Yep. Yep. That was awesome. See? Yes. You're, you're just touching fame every time you turn around, Scott. Well, let's, let's not go too far. <laughs> Uh, that's a great show, and uh, we'll probably hear a little bit of that on uh, coming episodes of uh, The Ledge, right? Sure. Which you should probably plug. Well, yeah, every Friday night, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time uh, on realpunkradio.com, and then it goes up later. You can get it at Stitcher, Stitcher or iTunes or whatever. Just search for The Ledge. Cool. And uh, last week was my new release show. I went into overtime because I had so much new music I wanted to share. So it was a two-hour, 20-minute extravaganza. <laughs> That's perfect. Though, you know, you need some, you want some new music, you just go find that episode on, on iTunes or wherever, Stitcher, and then you put it on and you do whatever you're doing and you hear the stuff you like and you write it down. Exactly. Life is easy, Scott. Uh, my life is really easy. <laughs> Think about it. Well, I'm going to make you uh, listen to, uh, you know, as we go out here, I'm going to make you just listen to a little bit more Rihanna Del Cid. I'm probably not saying that right, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, she's playing tonight down at Icon. Doors open at 7. Scott, thanks, as always, for being here. We'll talk to you next week. All righty. And this is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000, KSOO. We're going to be right back after the break with Cindy Erlinson. She's going to talk a big fa- about a 5K that's coming up that raises money for affordable housings, housing for seniors. So you're going to want to stick close for that one. We'll be right back. Information 1000, KSOO. on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I'm very happy to have in studio with us today, Cindy Erlinson. She is the Affordable Housing Sales Senior Consultant for the Good Samaritan Society. Uh, Cindy, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Um, So the reason we wanted to have you here is because you have uh, uh, an interesting event coming up. And that is, it's a 5K, which there's a lot of 5Ks in the world. There is. which is fine, which is good. Everybody needs to get out and have a nice day, right? Right. Uh, but you, uh, your organization is uh, the Good Samaritan Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got this affordable housing program for seniors. Um, why is it that you need to raise money for uh, senior housing? Well, as you probably know, Patrick, um, affordable housing is in short supply throughout the country. Um, there's just really... Um, in many areas of the country, just uh, two to three year wait lists or some wait lists are closed and it's very difficult for people. And with Good Samaritan Society, we serve mainly the elderly families and disabled families. And um, those people are particularly vulnerable um, at that age. And so what we're trying to do is um, make sure that if we have an available apartment open and somebody wants to move to it, a couple hundred dollars may not stop that move. Um, so, for instance, if um, we had an instance of someone living in uh, Arizona who was living in a trailer, the trailer was, um, they got it for a dollar um, just for a place to live. They had family um, that lived nearby one of our our locations, 
and so we were for three hundred dollars able to move them to um, this location near their family. So it just doesn't cost that much money if they don't have much to move. Um, we can do that rather, rather easily. So things like that. And also once they do move into um, our facilities, oftentimes they don't have um, connections to support and community services, financial um, understanding financial options and things like that. So we also are interested in helping them with supportive services and those are the things we'd like to raise money for with this race. So Good Sam is a large organization, mm-hmm. right? And so how many, uh, you've got facilities everywhere, but mm-hmm. this, you serve people in facilities, but this money is really used for any type of elderly housing to help people get into a different place if they've got bad housing, right? Exactly. Yeah, our um, Good Samaritan has is known mainly for um, probably its skilled nursing facilities, um, the nursing homes. Um, but we do the affordable housing, which is subsidized housing mainly for a HUD facilities. So we don't have the money to help people move through that program. Mm-hmm. We have to come up with it in other ways, and so and we don't have money oftentimes to help with these coordinating services once they do move to our. Um, apartments. So um, we have internally raised a lot of money through our great employees um, through different things, but um, just thought that maybe the community would like to support it as well because it is just such a wonderful thing that we can do for people and um, to help them make that transition from, say, you know, uh, some a place that's falling apart or maybe somebody's husband passed away, they can no longer maintain their home, mm-hmm. and we can get them to a safe um a safe and good place for them to to be in. We're talking with Cindy Erlinson. She's the Affordable Housing Sales Senior Consultant for the Good Samaritan Society. Um, so this 5K, this is mm-hmm. the first year you've done it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, putting on a race like this is always, for the first time, is always uh, a big challenge, right? It is. Uh-huh. And getting the word out and, and, mm-hmm. so, and, and all that goes into that. The thing that's interesting about this one is it's on a Sunday, mm-hmm. June 24th, and it's in the evening. It is. We kind of just wanted to make it um, kind of a family um, affair, too. And we are having a cookout and just hope to bring out people, you know, maybe um, they have the evening off after church and they want to come over and um, just have a, a nice time together, congregate, fellowship. It's more than just running and race, um, although we'd love to have the racers there too, but we also have a one-mile walk. So I just think it's a good opportunity to maybe involve your kids. It's not an expensive race. Try to keep it affordable. Ten and under are free, so you can bring your family affordably um, to it. Um, the cookout is a free will donation. So just hoping to get people out that are you know maybe wanting to um, involve their their whole family. Yeah, and what's the fee for the race? Um, the fee for the um, 5K is $25, and for the one mile is $15. Yeah, normal stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's at Riverdale Park, which mm-hmm. if people don't know where Riverdale is, it's basically you go to 24th and Cliff, and you mm-hmm. drive east till you hit the park. Mm-hmm. So if the you know, it's, it's right across from like Cherry Rock, and it's right on the bike trail. And it's a lovely spot for this kind of event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to, it's the race going to be on the bike trail, right? Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And how many f- folks do you hope to get, or do you have a goal or? Well, we sure would like to have, um, 150 to 200 would be mm-hmm. just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I think that'd that's be great. great, but of course the more the merrier. And where do I go to sign up to get more information? 
all of that sort of thing? Um, we're registered on All Sports Central, which may be the easiest way. Um, and then you can just search Race for Home, or you can go to um, the Good Samaritan website, good-sam.com and backslash race for home and that'll get a, a link there as well the race for home it's a fundraiser for the good sam affordable housing program uh and it's a it's a great cause folks who are elderly and uh struggling with ho- housing expenses and housing quality get out there and run everybody it's june 24th five day we'll throw some links up on p lally show on twitter uh but uh Get out there and run. It'll be fun. Cindy Erlinson, Affordable Housing Sales Senior Consultant for Good Sam. Thank you very much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. Coming up after the news and weather with with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk to Pat Powers of Dakota War College blog, and we will rehash the whole election from last night. Good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We're going to have a little bit of Rihanna Del Cid here. I'm going to get some air. I don't need a train to take me there. Rihanna Del Cid playing tonight at the Icon Lounge at 7 o'clock. I'll be there. Well, doors open at 7. She's playing a little later, but it's an early show. It's not going to go on all night folk rock band out of Minneapolis. I think the Rihanna is from North Dakota originally, but we'll get all that. Get all those details tonight, I'm sure. Um, I love her, and uh, I think you should too. How about that? Coming up this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Legends for Kids. That's the big free clinic for children's children ages 5 and up to improve their skills in the field, court mat, or ice. Kids will learn from the area's best coaches and sports legends, all kinds of good stuff there. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll talk to Pat Powers from the Dakota War College blog. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's Wednesday. And on most Wednesdays at this time, we talk with Pat Powers, a blogger out of Brookings, he of the DakotaWarCollege.com blog. Pat, are you uh, are you all rested up from last night's uh, big primary? Well, uh, that was uh, that was quite the uh, quite the wild ride last night, although it. It started off pretty abruptly at uh, 9.45 sharp. Yeah, that was a different experience, wasn't it? Just to have it all dumped at one time like that. Well, uh, I think that's, uh, that's literally one of the first times I've, I've experienced that, where they've had that, those kind of uh, computer problems, and then, then it's all at once. It's almost a little anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit strange. So the problem was in a couple of uh, counties... Pennington and Hughes, I think, the electronic poll books, which are essentially just the list of names, right? Uh, correct. Registered correct. voters. They're, yeah, they're they're not hooked into any voting system. It's it's literally just the uh, database of voters uh, that's uh, that's held by the state and connected to every county auditor in the state. Uh, there were there were connectivity issues, which is a little strange. I like in Minnehaha County. I'm 
they still print them out and somebody looks you up on the piece of paper and writes mm-hmm. what voter you are on there. Um, well, cor- correct, correct. Now, and the electronic version was, uh, that was just kind of an update in technology that was passed a few years back. And uh, I-, I know the current Secretary of State doesn't care for him very much, but uh, I-, I know they use him here in Brookings County, and, and they are just slick. It's look it up and go and you're done. Yeah, and so they're using them in more places than just those two counties, but those were the places they went bad, so they had to keep the polls open a little bit longer. Do you think that that had any effect on the, obviously both races ended up being pretty broad margins, but do you think there are people who didn't vote because of that? Uh, I don't know that it prevented people from voting. If anything, I, I was questioning whether it was going to, uh, add more voters than might have been there because you don't have a lot of necessarily have a lot of people voting at five thirty in the morning or uh, not five thirty but seven, seven in the morning. But if you're if you're keeping it ov- open later, you know people are more apt to have been done with dinner and, and maybe had a few more minutes on hand to go vote. And it was West River, so that meant another hour anyway. <laughs> and Correct. So for us over here, and so the results. They held all the results till 9.45 when the polls closed out in in Pennington County. And so we got this big dump all at once, and then the numbers were there, and they basically didn't change for the rest of the night. They, they, really, they really didn't in terms of the margins and the governor's race and, and that congressional race. They, uh, I mean, they, they were in one place, and they never really changed. Were you, uh, like me and probably most people, surprised at the margin of Christy Noem's victory? Uh, you know, I, I was fairly shocked. All the all the polling would have given you the indication that it was going to be a much closer race with with Christie still ahead. Uh, in fact, I in, in talking to people around, I, I think it was even a bit of a surprise to maybe some of the people in the Nome camp that mm-hmm. you know they they expected it to be a little closer, but it was uh, it was so strong, Christie across the board. Do you think that the I mean, most of the polling was done, uh, well, I'm sure they had some internal polling, but most of the public polling was done, well, you know, a week and a half or so before the election, and there was still a lot of uh, news that came out in terms of Marty Jackley's potential involvement in the Kaiser settlement uh, with the sexual harassment case and the advertising that Christie had with that. Uh, There's some general thinking, and I agree with it, that those were just very effective ads. Well, I, I thought they, uh, you know, they they might have taken a little of the bark off of Marty. I, but I think it came down to more uh, how effective they were in their get-out-the-vote operations. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, when, when you're within a few percentage points, it depends who gets their people out to the, out to the polls. And, uh, you know, they both had effective teams who, who did that. But, you know, Christie's team has done this time and again mm-hmm. and they've they pulled it out in that tight race with uh stephanie herseth sandlin and i mean their their people are used to going to work and doing that and yeah. uh it, it might just be the experience factor between marty having having two fairly easy races and, and christy not knowing if she's going to have a tough race or uh or a corinna robinson race yeah. So she, that's just it. Um, they have a, a battle tested team over there with, and I'll say this, connections to other uh, uh, statewide federal office <laughs> campaigns 
there's a there's a pool of people there that are uh, really battle tested, and as you said, Marty has never really had a real statewide election where he's challenged in that way, and maybe the, some of that inexperience in his organization showed up. Well, you know, but he also had experienced people like Jason Glode who worked with him. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's so difficult to say what what were mm-hmm. the factors that went into it, but. You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, Christie Christie won with authority. Yeah, uh, I said last night on KSFY. Um, you know, it's it, there's always this notion that Christie is not uh, the the you know most powerful position politician in South Dakota. Well, it's time to start taking her pretty seriously. She's got a she's never been beaten. She's done. She's beaten a lot of people who thought they were going to win, um, and. You know, she's undefeated. She's she is a, a impressive political force in the state right now. You know, one one thing that has always struck me about Christie, you know, in, in looking at the quality and and the quality of the candidates and how well they do out on the stump. Mm-hmm. You know, people people are drawn to Christie, and, and frankly, I argue she and uh, and Senator Thune are probably two of the best speakers. In, in events, in, in, in the political arena, you know, the, the two most compelling speakers in South Dakota, and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to choose who is better because they're, they're just both that polished and that good. I, I've seen Christy walk into a hostile audience, and you know what? Within minutes, uh, she's got them listening to her. Yeah. They may not agree, but they're listening, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to come right back with Pat Powers and talk more about last night's primary and what's ahead for the big fall elections. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three twenty on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Pat Powers, blogger at dakotawarcollege.com. And, uh, Pat, we've been talking about the results in the uh, uh, governor's primary. Um, the House was went pretty much as expected. It, the one thing that I was a little surprised by was the uh, Neil Tapio coming in at, like, what he end up with, 22%, something like that? You know, and, and I would agree, Neil, uh, if, if he had had more of a campaign organization, uh, I suspect he would have come in second. He did... Uh, he, he went. He pulled very strongly. In fact, uh, up here in Brookings County, which is God's country, mm-hmm. uh, I somebody was pointing out that outside of Brookings proper, out in the county precincts, uh, Neil actually uh, may. I, and I haven't verified it, but I they were commenting that Neil won many of the precincts outside of town, which uh, w- within the county. So that uh, that was a bit surprising and he he did well across the state winning a couple of counties uh but i i think it was just a matter of he started uh it was it was too little too late but uh you know if he had had uh, a good campaign team behind him uh he could have gone much farther yeah he was the second was second in many counties uh he won trip county for sure i know and and but he, he actually beat Chantel in, in a lot of different places. Uh, he finished a couple of points behind her. But taking those two vote totals together, it's a lot closer to Dusty. Um, 
what does that say about his message? Um, you know, obviously there's more to Neil Tapio than anti-Sharia law, but that's what he's most known for. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on his success and what it says about the electorate right now. Well, I, I don't know if it was necess- if they necessarily picked up on on the the Sharia law comments as, as much as uh, you know he came out as a candidate representing a uh, a break from the status quo. And, and in fact, if you if you look at Christie's campaign, uh, you know Marty was probably closer to the existing establishment than than she is, and. And her candidacy seemed to represent a a kind of a, a break from the the people who've been in office for the last twelve sixteen years. Uh, you know, I think uh, they were looking for a, a, a definite change, and uh, you know, there were a number of, number of them who just came out and, and voted because they wanted something different. They just want to they want to shake things up. Now they don't nec- they won't necessarily vote Democrat. Uh, so, because the Republicans aren't going to do that, but uh, you know they they wanted some they wanted a definite change in how things were done, uh, and I I think that's that's right in terms of uh, folks saying you know Marty Jackley has been Attorney General he's been in Pier uh, and he just got he got tied to a lot of stuff that's gone on there in the last few years. Um, do you think uh, that uh, Christy Nome, if she were to win the uh, gubernatorial office in the general will make wholesale changes in peer well I, I think there's a I think there's a bit of a mandate for for some significant changes uh, you know I, I don't know there was a postcard that went out in peer I, I'm told I haven't gotten a copy of it yet but there was a postcard that went out in peer that uh, intimated that Christy Nome was going to come in and fire everybody and I, <laughs> I don't know that it's quite that drastic. But they're, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, I, I would consider it when, similar to how, when uh, Bill Janklow came in to be governor after Walter Dale Miller. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think you're, you're going to see some, some big swings in, you know, who is in charge. They're, they're going to be bringing in probably a lot of outside people to, to shake things up and, and change the way Pierre does business. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Pat Powers, blogger at uh, dakotawarcollege.com. Uh, first question, quick, who's who's your running mate? Come on now. You know, don't you? You know, I have no clue. <laughs> you, you know, uh, you know I, I look at uh, people who were traveling with her when, when she made her, her whistle-stop tour around South Dakota. You know, Larry Roden, who's been a close associate of hers. You know, Larry is... Uh, from out West River, and, and he and his wife were traveling with her. But so was uh, Majority Leader, uh, House Majority Leader Lee Qualm. Mm-hmm. Lee was with her. Uh, you know, the the question is, does Christy feel she needs somebody from West River to balance the ticket? Or, uh, but you know, and if she does, that that brings into question: would she would she uh, ask? a uh, Larry Roden to be her running mate because Larry's from Union Center and mm-hmm. that's not necessarily one of our state's major population centers. <laughs> no. And the other thing is maybe somebody completely outside state government. Well, with uh you know, with Lieutenant Governor the 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 
conventional wisdom is to, to bring in somebody who's competent and, and is going to reflect well on, on the administration, but isn't going to overshadow them. Yeah. Well, it'd be tough to overshadow Christy Nome. <laughs> well, that's, that's very correct. Yeah. That's very correct. Uh, Pat Powers, he is blogger at dakotawarcollege.com. He's here most Wednesdays. Pat, thanks a lot, and we'll, uh, we'll be looking forward to a summer of uh, you know, rigorous conversation. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Patrick. Coming up after the break with uh, news and weather with uh, Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Jake Anderson. He is owner and CEO of Millennium Recycling, and we, he has uh, some interesting insight into the world of recycling as our major recycler in Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm very happy to have with us today Jake Anderson, because he is owner and CEO of Millennium Recycling out in the industrial park here in Sioux Falls. And uh, that's where all your stuff goes. Jake, thanks for being here today. Yeah, great uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, Jake and I met uh, probably 10 or 11 years ago when I toured the facility out there, which is one of the more interesting operations in the city. Uh, Jake, when did you actually start Millennium and when did you go to Single Stream? I uh, started the company in April of 1999. Uh, actually um, purchased the assets uh, of another small operation that uh, was was um, uh, looking to wind down its operation. So uh, started then and um, uh, brought single stream to Sioux Falls in 2007. And when we say single stream, that's what allows the residents of our fine city to basically just throw all the recyclables into one bin. Yep, right. Yeah, prior to that, it, kind of the old early... Um, collection methodology uh, with regards to recyclables, uh, residential recycling collection was you had to separate into different categories. So you had uh, oftentimes, and it varied from community to community, but typically it was either what was called a dual stream where you had uh, paper materials, cardboard and magazines and your junk mail and your newspapers together. And then you had all your containers together. Some other communities had uh, required you to separate out cardboard from the rest of the papers. So that was kind of the early way, uh, early method of, of collecting um, material from residents. And then uh, I'd say probably early 2000s is when um, a couple of companies started dabbling with, uh, instead of requiring residents to separate into different categories, um, encouraging them to just just put it all together in one bin, and we'll take it back to our facility and we'll unscramble the eggs, so to speak. So. And so it comes into your the garbage companies haulers bring yeah. it to your uh, facility, correct? Which is sort of uh, uh, east of the airport uh, yeah. in Sioux Falls, yep. north of uh, Benson Road, and and they dump it there. And then you, through a series of processes, physical processes and people and everything, separate it all out. Yep, correct. Yeah, it's a com- it's a combination of. Um, I mean, some of it's mechanical, uh, and um, but there definitely is a portion of it that requires manual quality control. Yeah, air jets and magnets and Air- tongs and yeah, it's quite the sight. Yeah, um, yeah. Can, can Boy Scout troops come out and get a tour? That's sort of yeah, thing? yeah. We or- do tours uh, quite quite regularly. Um, we 
there was a period of time where we didn't do them because it was just there were just so many liability concerns mm-hmm. and we, that 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 monstrosity of a piece of equipment that we have uh, has such a large footprint in our facility that and um, uh, but we continue to get so many uh, requests that we we decided a few years ago that we needed to we needed to come up with a way to accommodate yeah um, folks that wanted to come in and see it so we've we've after some some discussion and some um, debate about how best to do that we we settled on a, a, a way to be able to show the facility off a little bit uh, and not have it be a um, concern with respect to having people get injured while they're there. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, that would not be bad. <laughs> We're talking with Jake Anderson. He is owner and CEO of Millennium Recycling in Sioux Falls. And uh, I, the thing that I think people often wonder, and if they pay any attention at all to the world of recycling, is does it pay? So you are a private business, mm-hmm. and you made the investment. Um, we benefit as a city. Uh, how are the markets? What do you What do you do with all this stuff, Jake? Hmm. Boy, a load of question. Uh, the markets themselves are constantly changing. Um, we'll have some years will be good years. Um, other years will be not so great years. Uh, we're having some challenges in the commodity markets right now for a variety of different reasons. Um, so it, it, it makes it a challenging business for sure. Uh, we can't turn off the flow of material coming into the facility. Uh, there's no switch there. Uh, we don't all of a sudden tell our our collector customers that, no, you can't go out and collect from that neighborhood or you can't collect from that city. or you can't. I mean, the, the stuff doesn't stop coming. So uh, our challenge in, in down markets is to you know, do the best we can to turn the material around and, and get it into market at, at a price level where we can keep the lights on. Who buys it? Um, the vast majority of the people that we sell to are in the middle of the country, and um, most of those are in the upper Midwest. Uh, though we do uh, uh, we do periodically export material. Um, I was on uh, Governor Dugard's one of his trade missions to China several years ago, and um, we have done some exporting to Asia. Uh, we've done some exporting to. Mexico and um, Canada, and, and is actually still considered export. Um, so, we, a little bit of really wherever we can find the marketplace to be yeah. to be honest with you. And those people take it and make it into other stuff. Yeah, correct. Which is seen. It sounds simple, but it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's not rocket science what we do, really. Um, but uh, it, it it can be a very challenging. I mean, there are so many different factors and variables that that go into our business. Um, both both with respect to getting. The, I mean, you got to get the stuff collected. You got to get it uh, in a fashion that you need it and want it when it tips on our floor. You got to run it through our facility in a through a big, huge machine that has a hundred and some motors on it and and uh, do it as uh, effectively and safely as we possibly can and, and then get it packed into these one-ton cubes and then uh, get it off to a market and be able to find a market and um, hope that that market's going to be consistent for you uh, regardless of whether demand is really high or whether it's soft. And yeah. so it's... 
It's ever-changing, for sure. We're going to come right back and talk more with Jake Anderson, who is owner and CEO of Millennium Recycling here in Sioux Falls. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Jake Anderson. He is the owner and CEO of Millennium Recycling here in Sioux Falls. And he started in 1999 and went to single stream 10 or 11 years ago. And, and now we all benefit from his company. Jake, that's kind of the, the thing about recycling is we uh, in Sioux Falls, we're lucky. We have single stream. We just throw the stuff into our bins. We put the garbage in the other one. It goes away. We never have to think about it. Um, we do benefit to a great degree as consumers from the ease of this, do we not? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, maybe I'm a little bit biased in saying that uh, in in agreeing with you. But yeah, I mean, that was the whole objective when, when, um, when I looked at doing this um, all those many years ago. Uh, was just the opportunity. I mean, it, it was it was kind of a two prong thing for me. Number one, it was how can we get more stuff coming through the door? I mean, you always want to be able to it's just just pure economies of scale. You know, you want to be able to run as much stuff as you can through your facility, and um, really the the best way to go about doing that, and the best way to beef up. Uh, your volume is obviously to get people to people to participate in a program, and how do you get them to participate in a program? Well, we discovered that um, the best way to do that is to make it as simple as possible. And I mean, it just really comes down to simple psychology, and it's really amazing uh, just how how you know just how elegantly simple that it really is. Yeah. And uh, we found that once we do that, and it was really cons- it's been really consistent in most in most markets across the country that have adopted this method of collection. The easier you make it, the more people are going to partic- participate, and and the levels of of percentage increase in volume are are pretty consistent across the board. Um, I think the other question uh, is why. Okay. I mean, you got into it as a business, mm-hmm. but there's a bigger why here. And when you talk to people about recycling, I mean, it's not that it's a big controversial topic, but it is this sense of environmentalism and sort yeah. of tree hugging and, yeah. and everything else. But why do we need to do this, Jake? Why do I got to separate all my garbage? Well, it's a great question. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, it, 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 this is my perspective, and I, and um, it, every community across the country ha- deals with this issue. Uh, it, it ends up becoming a question of, well, what else are you going to do with it? Really, I mean, it, it's in demand out in the marketplace as a raw material to make new products. Um, that in and of itself is great, so why not satisfy that de- demand by capturing this material stream? And marketing it to people that can use it to make a product, um, it benefits the economy. Um, but really, the other big, the other big reason is, I, I mean, otherwise, the other thing you're going to do with it is, in a lot of cases, you're going to landfill it. Um, some communities have the ability and capability of of burning it um, to be used as a fuel. Uh, 
But, you know, at the end of the day, this is still, the United States still relies very heavily on landfills. And I think for me, um, you know, I call it a resource because in a lot of ways it is, but it's a finite resource. I mean, you you can't just uh, bury material into a hole in the ground indefinitely. I mean, it's going to fill up. Mm -hmm. So at some point, uh, and this varies from community to community across the United States in terms of when they reach that point, but at some point, you have to figure out when that landfill is full, what's plan B? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the next step? And uh, n- not, uh, I don't know many people that want landfills in their backyards. And so that becomes the question, you know, do you, do you figure out a way to try to limit or mitigate the amount of material that's being buried in that hole so you can extend the life of that finite resource? Um. Or your other option is to then try to site new land or buy new land. And, and that's and hugely increase expensive. It. It's tremendously expensive, yeah, and it keeps getting more and more expensive. Not to mention the fact that, um, you know, every community or, or operators and owners of landfills, I mean, you know, they have to – I mean, they, they, they have the liability of that site really in perpetuity. And so um, – it's a big deal, and landfills do leak. Uh, they're, uh, I think the technology nowadays and the way that they construct them is very sound, um, much more effective than it was decades ago, but they still leak. There's nothing that's risk-free. There's nothing that, yeah, exactly right. right. And so your your message to people is conserve. Don't I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's not getting recycled that still could be. Still could be. Sure. Yeah. Every, every I mean, there's stuff that gets that gets uh, dumped into that landfill every day in this community that that could be coming through our facility and isn't. Just because people don't make the right decision, bin one, bin two. Um. Yes. There's that, and there are other folks that really are kind of apathetic towards it. Yeah. They just don't care. They do. They really just don't care. They just want it to go away. Um. I. I use the phrase uh, this phrase frequently where when I talk about this issue it, uh, oftentimes people will put their bins out on their collection day and abracadabra hocus pocus, pocus it gets picked up and it goes away into you know never never garbage land mm-hmm. and, and never to be heard from again well I mean I a lot of people just don't a lot of people in this community have no idea even where the landfill is it's just completely out of sight and out of mind and I've said this to people a lot of times over the years that folks would just go out to the landfill here someday and just spend an hour out there mm-hmm. and just watch the stuff that gets buried. And, and it's amazing mm-hmm. and in some ways a little disturbing, <laughs> to be really honest with you. And uh, so I don't, I mean, I, I don't fancy myself to be a huge, you know, environmental uh, um, person. I mean, I, I would say I'm a conservationist. Um, but I, I, you, you made the comment earlier about uh, how uh, oftentimes some people perceive recycling as this, you know, kind of f- environmental fringe thing. And I don't necessarily see it that way. I mean, from, from my perspective, it's a business. It's an industry. I mean, I, you know, I do it because it's my livelihood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I do it. I don't do it just because it makes me feel good. <laughs> I do it because I'm trying to earn a living. So the message here today is 
Send Jake your stuff. <laughs> yeah. He needs all your recyclables, people. We got. Hey, I employ going. people in this town. Come yeah, on, that's right. He's a small businessman, small and, business uh, owner, whom we need that provides a valuable service to the community. Uh, Jake Anderson, he is owner and CEO of Millennium Recycling, and we're going to have him back because there's all kinds of cool stuff we want to talk about that we didn't even get close to talking about today. Yeah, will you I come know. back, Jake? Yeah, absolutely. Love to. Awesome. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. Four fifty-six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. And uh, finishing up our day here, Dan. I believe this is the first time. Is the thing there you go. In a long time, and I think we've done it once it, or twice before, where we did not play Radio you Clash. To end the show, we're playing Rihanna You're Del Cid. Song called Let's Begin. It's just a beautiful song. It's not a rocker. It's just beautiful. It gets going a little bit later. Sounds like Raina Del Cid is quite a layered artist. Layered. That's good. Handsome boys, pretty girls. There's nobody in the world who puts such silly thoughts in my head. Playing tonight at Icon. Doors open at seven. There's an opener. Uh, I can't remember his name, but Rihanna Del Cid down at the Icon tonight. She's very good from Minneapolis via North Dakota. I should tell you that uh, coming up on Saturday, the Festival of Cultures, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at the Coliseum, 515 North Main Avenue. Enjoy the sights, sounds, and tastes from around the world. Free admission. For more information, just go to the events calendar at KSO.com. Also this weekend is the big Legends for Kids extravaganza brought to you by uh, Sanford and uh, a lot of other folks. hi V, I I believe. I believe uh, Results Radio also involved in that. Free clinics for kids, five and up, to improve their skills on the field. Court, Matt Rice. Kids will learn the areas from the area's best coaches and sports legends. Always some sports legends involved in that deal. A whole bunch of stuff going on you want to find out. Just go to the events calendar at KSO.com. Coming up tomorrow, we get a Twins game. uh, Afternoon game. It starts at 12.10. Sometimes we get some time. Sometimes we don't. But we'll be here when the Twins game is over. So hang out with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSO. See you all downtown tonight.